Blog Talk Radio. Archangels, Ghosts, and Bigfoot, oh my. It's just another night for Supernatural Girls. Real stories, real answers to life's biggest supernatural mysteries. And now, for another exciting interview with paranormal experts from this world and others. Here's your host, paranormal researcher Patricia Baker, on the one, the only, Supernatural Girls. Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker. I'm here with my co-host, PK, all the way from Tucson. How are you doing tonight, PK? I'm, I'm doing well. It's a little cool for me, so I'm all bundled up sitting here. <laughs> Nothing like Arizona sunshine, right? <laughs> oh, my goodness. You're lucky not you're not in New England. A yeah. Oh, I'd never make it there anymore. It's been a long time. <laughs> oh, really? you got to be tough to live here, that's for sure. That's, that's true, and you're one tough cookie. You can handle <laughs> anything, honey. <laughs> there is no choice. Well, look, we've had quite the crazy day, and lots oh, yeah. and lots going yeah. on around the world and here in our own country. And we're going to take a break from all of that, thank God, and be able to talk to our incredible guest tonight. We're going to bring on in a few minutes. He is an author and a filmmaker. Craig Campobasso is going to join us. We're going to hear all about the extraterrestrials among us. So this is really going to be exciting. But before we introduce Craig, let's see what's happening with the numbers. What do you got going on for us? Well, I guess the bottom line is we are, I mentioned before that this is a year of major changes, good to bad, bad to good. God, we saw that today for sure. Yes. But January is a month that deals with family, family wanting perfection, making things different, about different kinds of gathering, putting recipes together, sharing that, but basically alternative issues, alternative medicines, anything to do with alternative health, all those are definitely pluses. But on top of that, we have to take a look at the fact that everybody wants things perfect, Allow it to be the best it could be, not the best you think it's supposed to be. Otherwise, it's going to come back as meddling. And let's face it, you don't want to be sitting there with egg on your face. So just kind of let things go. But think that the key for this month is going to deal with home, family, and pets. Do pay attention to your pets because this is a time when they may need some extra TLC. Be sure that you're ahead of the curve, and make sure nothing happens to them because this is the time when things like that can take place. Mm-hmm. Other than that, the month itself is take a look at maybe you may want to redecorate, add something different within the house, do all the things that you've wanted to do that you've put off last year, perfect month to get things started. Next month you're going to have a relapse and want to lay down, forget it. But for right now, go for it. How's that? Well, I like that. So you can do some home nurturing and things like that, but basically, uh, you know, we need to just put one foot in front of another as we walk forward. We're looking perfect. That's what we're, everybody wants perfect this month. 
nothing and God exists. knows them. Oh, it doesn't exist right now, that's for sure. But be patient. Don't volunteer. But if asked, you've got to say yes. So if asked, we'll give our, our opinion. But if we're not asked, right. then don't do it. That's for okay. opinion work at anything else you can think of. Oh, my cover goodness. Your that's the best way to put it. Just cover your backside. All right. We're going to cover your backside. All right. So CYA, everybody. That's how to deal with this month. And January always seems like such a long month, doesn't it? Well, it is because we're coming out of the woodwork, shall we say, of the holidays and all the rest of it. And I think one of the things to think of, this year is going to be all about change, constant change, constant turnover, good to bad, bad to good. But it also does have a luck factor to it. So don't hesitate. Hey, if you're any place and there's a drawing, throw your name in it. You stand a better chance of winning this year than, than most times. But to find out what your own personal year is or personal month, the universal year is a five. Add your month and day of birth together, reduce it to a single number. Add that to the five, and you'll know what your personal number is for the year. That might help a little bit. And if you want any more information, you can find it on my website. Yes, that's patriciakirkman.com. That's where you can go, patriciakirkman.com, and find out about your personal year. Always good to have as much information as possible, right? Doesn't hurt. Oh, especially this year, goodness gracious. Hang on to the side of the boat. It's going to be one heck of a ride. I know. Well, and on the heels of what you just said, one of our past guests, William Stick Evers, the astrologer, said to us that we were going to see so many changes that it would feel like our head needs to be on a swivel. And it certainly has started out that way. Now, I also want to let everybody know that William is going to be having a discussion tonight with Jerry and Kathy Wills at Expeditions TV. Now, you can find that link on our Facebook page for Supernatural Girls if you would like to listen in. It's free, and you can do that tonight. Right after we end our show at 9, they are going to begin theirs. And William's delightful. Um, He has a lot to say about what's coming forward. He is an astrologer and a trends forecaster, and he has a lot of information to share. So highly recommend that broadcast tonight. So, again, just go to the Supernatural Girls Facebook page, and you'll find the link. It just goes along with the fact that all of this year is about change. Nothing is going to stay the same, and we're getting all this additional information coming to us, adding to our ability to make change and be changeable. God, that's a lot to ask, PK. <laughs> How many I of us know really it. like change? <laughs> but this year you're going to love it because it's got a luck factor that goes with oh, it. Oh, well, the lucky change Every feels good. On this you want to put pedal to the metal and go, vroom, vroom. <laughs> well, I guess we're going to have to one way or another, so we might as well like it, right? Mm-hmm. That'll make it a All lot right. easier for you. Okay. Well, we're going to follow your advice as best we can. And tonight we are talking with a guest we've never had on before, and I, I don't know why we've never had him on before because he's fascinating, Craig Campobasso is here with us tonight, and he is the author of a new book that is number one on Amazon. 
in, I believe it's an alien category, and there's a reason why, because it's called the Extraterrestrial Species Almanac, the ultimate guide to grays, reptilians, hybrids, and Nordics. So we are going to get a first-class education tonight in a lot of things about extraterrestrials. Are they here? What are they doing here? What do they want? Are they friendly or maybe not? So we're going to find all of this out from Craig. Now, Craig is an author. He's also a filmmaker, and we're going to hear about his latest feature film that he's going to be debuting, I hope, very soon, because we can't wait to see it. So, Craig, welcome to the show. How are you guys? Oh, we're doing great. So happy to have you here. (laughs) I'm very happy to be here, and I have to say I love your show's opening. Oh, thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. <laughs> Very kind of you. Yeah. Yes. Now, this is a great book, and I have to tell you, I'm a bit jealous because a long time ago when I met Andrea Puharich, I'm, I'm sure you know that name. Oh, yes, of course. Um, he had a book that had a catalog of all the extraterrestrial species. He did not right. want to share it at that time with anybody and I always wanted to see it I never got a chance to see it from him but here you are with this incredible extraterrestrial species almanac so thank you you've made a dream come true with this book for me well I'm excited I uh, I didn't come up with the idea by the way it actually was my book agent called me up and said, hey, I've got a great idea for a book, and I can sell it. And he said, I already have the title. And I said, what's that? And he goes, The Extraterrestrial Species Almanac. And I, I said, Jeff, I can write that book. <laughs> and he, he literally said, do, do a proposal, which I did in two days, sent it to him, and he had the book sold on the fourth day. And I was literally working on the book the following week. And I, and I just sort of sat back and said, this never happens. So this must be a book that really has to get out there in the consciousness. Uh, so, um, so it took me about a year uh, to do going through all of my favorite contactee cases. So a lot of the cases are older um, and some of them are are newer. Um, uh, I love there. There are certain cases that I just resonated with over time. And of course, I talked to uh, either the contactees or the publishers who had the books, and they allowed me to uh, to delve deep into their book and then share that little bit of information uh, that's with the books. So what's really interesting is the publisher wanted me to do a thumbnail review of each species. So the reader in the back of the book under further reading can go there and say, well, I would like to learn more about the clarions. And so you can go there and and find out about Maurizio Cavallo, who is having contact still to this day with clarions that have been living on the planet since the 80s. And you can find out about his book and et cetera. 
and he also allowed me to use two uh, Polaroid pictures he took of one of the males and one of the females. So, and that which is, is great. in the book. Yeah, and yeah, that's which great is to really, have that. really, really fantastic. Yeah, um, what's interesting is we didn't uh, name them in the book, we, uh, but the female there, her, her name is Nelfa, and she deals with astrobiology and chrono. Uh, astronomy uh, in between dimensions and, you know, all the sort of calculations and that kind of thing. So basically it's, it relates to time in the universe between the dimensions, right? Right. Um, which is fascinating because they are all multidimensional beings, uh, these very advanced beings. So we'll get into that a little bit later, but um but it was very uh, exciting, and, and while I was um, on this path of writing the book, um, I, I, I lost my mother in 98, and I lost my father about five or six years ago. Um, okay. I found out when I was 12, my mother told me that my father was my stepfather and that I had a biological father. But she didn't know much about him. They're, they're, uh, they were dating. She got pregnant with me, and she found out he was married with a kid. Oh, so great! She put an in. She put an end to it. So he was never around. So I tried as I got older, looking on the internet. I couldn't find him, and then out of the blue, uh, about a year and a half, two years ago. I get a phone call from a genealogist up in Canada. She says, hi, I'm your fourth or fifth cousin. I'm a real genealogist, and I want to get some information from you on your mother's father. That's how we're related. And so I helped her, and I turned her on to my mom's sisters, uh, who were totally into the genealogy thing like me. And, um, And I said, hey, by the way, can you help me find my biological father? And she goes, I can find anyone. And oh, wow. literally, um, yeah. yeah, it really was. And literally, I, about six months later, she sent me a long email. She said, I found him. He passed away in 2006. He's buried at Forest Lawn um, over, you know, by Warner Brothers. So I went to Forest Lawn the next morning, went up to the front desk, asked if there was a name of anybody who called when he passed away for them to come and pick him up. And they said, yes. And they gave me the name of a man who had a different last name than him. They did not have a contact number or email address. So I came home, I looked the guy up. He lives around the corner from me and he's a 74, 74 year old man. So I write him a letter and I put my picture in, and I say, if you know anything about Fred's family, um, please let me know, and or or pass my this information on to him. So uh, a couple days later, I got a phone call from this man John's uh, son, and um, he said, well, my dad got your letter, and that's why I'm calling you. And I said, oh, was your dad friends uh, with Fred? And he said, no, it's actually his half-brother. And I'm like, oh, so you're my cousin. 
And he goes, yeah, I guess I am. He goes, but it's really weird. You're like a doppelganger for your father. And I said, well, I have no idea because I don't know what he looks like, right? So, and, and she found him through DNA. So that's how I got hooked into it. And then since then, I had my uncle go and do it. And he's like, yeah, connected us right away. And I said, of course. So. Anyway, I go to dinner with uh, my Uncle John and my cousin Chris, and we're there for three hours, an hour into the conversation, out of the blue. They know nothing about me, by the way, and I know nothing about them. He says, okay, so, uh, you know, he's telling me all about my biological father, and he says, well, He joined the Air Guard when he was young, and my mom had to sign a piece of paper for him to go away. And then when he was 18, he was put in the Air Force, and he goes, oh, and by the way, you know, he worked in that Project Blue Book. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Right? No coincidence there. Okay. No coincidence there. And (laughs) I was blown away, literally blown away by that. And then I came to find out um, a little bit later um, that after when he left the Air Force, um, he came back, he met my mom, and then he, um, uh, he ended up becoming the head of construction for Warner Brothers. So he was in charge of building all their sets for TV and movies. So I'm in the film business. He was in the film business. He was in Project Blue Book. And I'm writing books for MUFON. <laughs> you know, so because Project Blue Book was the U.S. Air Force study on uh, UFOs that started in 1952. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, right. you know, they decommissioned it in January of 1970. And they investigated over like 11,000 uh, sightings. And MUFON is, um, is like a nonprofit um, where it's more like civilian uh, volunteers uh, that study reported UFO sightings. So, uh, so I just found that fascinating that it's in your DNA. <laughs> it's definitely in yours, Meg. My goodness. Yeah. And you never and you never got to meet him, but here you are following in his footsteps in some ways. In some ways, yeah. But I will mm-hmm. tell you, I gained an amazing uncle, um, uh, three cousins, um, a stepbrother, and two stepsisters, and I just adore them all. Oh no! Nice. Oh, that's marvelous. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. family. Yeah, yeah. So. It's uh, it's been very exciting and all of that, and and they love UFOs too. You know, I thought, okay, they, <laughs> Are you they may that's think a, that's I'm, very unusual. Uh, I know. <laughs> I thought, well, maybe they're going to think I'm a little, you know, out there. And uh, but no, they they love it. Um, so so I thought that was fun. But but my my cousin said they tried to get out of them over all the years. Uh, what he did and all of that, and he he would not talk. And I said, well, evidently he knows how to keep his mouth shut because uh, he never told you about me. That's right. <laughs> you were the right? ultimate secret. Yes. <laughs> you know. So. 
Yeah. So, did you find out anyway, if he ever knew about you? He knew about me, you yes. find out? Yeah, he did. Yep, uh-huh. Okay, great. That's good. Yeah, my mom said after I was born, he came to the door, and she said I just put the door in his face. <laughs> she was really mad. Well, she was really mad. I mean, really mad to, you know, that he lied to her. So Right. Um, Makes sense. So, yeah. but Guys, right. <laughs> but anyway, I... Uh, it, it just happened. There's nothing we can do to fix it, but but be happy with uh, what we got. And I got to learn all about him, and he was a great guy. And um, got to, you know, now uh, part of uh, that family and very happy about it. That makes well, it wonderful because, you know, at a certain age, they really don't know what you're really going through or how to handle it. And going back a period of time, that's that. That's a decision that's hard to make when somebody else is involved in it as well. Yes. So it's nice yes. you got all the information you needed afterwards. I think that's great. Yes, absolutely. And I and I can feel his relief being on the other side. So I can feel that he is very happy that I connected and got to learn about him. And I now have photographs of him. Uh, They actually gave me everything that they had of his, which I thought was really nice and generous of them. So Uh, That is very generous. Gosh, well, you have quite a legacy. You really do. And we're going to get into all of it, including your upcoming film, because I want everybody to know about that as well. Sure. You know, it's just fascinating. And looking through the different chapters, you've covered a wide, wide variety of topics and wide variety of aliens here. You also have Men in Black, which I want to get to uh, with you. Yeah. Where did you get this information? How did this come to you? Well, lots of the information, like, for instance, Octurians. I know I'm very good friends with an Octurian hybrid. Mm Mm-hmm. So a lot of it came from there. Uh, the, one of the hardest races, I will tell you, is because being, being involved in this and meeting all kinds of people from everywhere, uh, you know, um, was the mantis beings. And okay. It was because, you know, they're always sort of lurking in the background during abductions, but people get loving vibrations from them. Others um, see them. Some have seen them as large as a football field in the astral realm. Um, uh, So I actually um, was friends with... uh, uh, this woman for quite a long time, and um, I came to know that she was a mantis hybrid. So I was able to glean a lot of the information uh, from her, and and a big part of it is a lot of people felt that they didn't get any emotion, or and, and because of that, they they were afraid. But if you are able to open up um, uh, telepathy, right, Mm -hmm. then you would would feel and understand that they do have emotions on the inside. 
They're just expressing them internally instead of externally like we are. So in the fully conscious world and in all of uh, that meaning, um, uh, what what I call the galactarian alignment of space, peoples, and planets, all the beings are fully conscious. All the beings are sovereign. They are all telepathic. They are telepathic in different types depending on races with different kinds of telepathy, but the most common is the most amazing because like we're talking now when I was just sharing with my father, I would be able to share my feeling body with you and my emotional body through telepathy, and you would experience exactly all the emotions and all the joy that I felt and then that would be added to your own soul's experience. Mm-hmm. So it's really quite amazing uh, there. And, and all of the, the fully conscious beings, they're all very caring about one another. And they take the time and they stop and they talk. And if somebody's feeling down, a group will rush over and bring them out of it just by being with them and, and talking to them and helping them and, and all of that. They're, they're very good at, um, because they are telepathic, you can't hide anything. So you, you are very good at discussing what you're going through and what you're experiencing and things like that. They still feel hurt and, and uh, pain and all of those things, except they deal with it through the heart and not the mind, the ego in the mind, like we do. Right. And, you know, I get the feeling, too, for your own experience and writing about these beings, that for the most part you found them to be positive rather than uh, harmful to humans. I would say the good news is, is, the universe is primarily populated with benevolent beings. Of course, there are a lot of the fractions of, of darker, more aggressive races, um, different things like that. It's interesting in, um, I believe it was the Clermers, the Clermer race, and um, the Aryans, even though they're called Aryans, they're actually an Asian race. There, there are several, um, several of them from this galaxy. These were books um, by contactees that um, Wendell Stevens uh, did over all the years. He compiled about 65 books. Um, mm-hmm. And so his daughter allowed me to use the ones that I, that I really, really wanted to uh, add in the book because they were, they were my, my favorite. And um, so the Clermers, um, uh, that, that's actually the name of their planet, Clermer, K-L-E-R-M-E-R. So, uh, all the information also comes from the actual contactee. But these places, they, they went through the wars and they went through then galactic wars and they went through everything until they just realized it's just so stupid. 
just <laughs> killing on both sides. I mean, you know, I mean, you get to a point where, like, why why isn't everybody doing that? That's why we have the angelic kingdom or the created beings of which I also put in the book because a lot of people don't understand what a created being is. Um, So a created being, they are responsible for certain territories and planets and they administer to them spiritual advice and help them with disputes and, and, and try to bring harmony back into uh, whatever disputes are going on. Um, And uh, so they like, uh, which we'll talk about in a little bit, uh, and I'll bring him up because he's a creative being, is Valiant Thor, who, um, who is part of the book Stranger at the Pentagon, of which I made the short film, and I'm setting up doing the feature film next, which we'll talk about in a minute. But Valiant Thor, for instance, does not have uh, uh, palm prints or fingerprints. As Dr. Frank explained, it was, it's like a boiled, peeled egg, right? Mm. He doesn't have a belly button as well because he's not born of man and a woman. So a created being from um, the angelic godhead or however you want to put it or from source can be born from a womb of light into the universe as an infant and it's a it's it is like an, a celestial event and attended by many and then they are given to celestial parents to raise or they can be created as an adult here one there one instant here one instant with divine purpose and exactly what their mission is and what their uh what they're going to do and they can go right into it. So, um, so it's, it's just fascinating. And the Bible, by the way, if anybody, uh, I don't, I'm, I'm not a biblical scholar, but it is also um, has many, many passages where these angels, these created beings came and assisted people back then who needed assistance. So, um, well, let's so talk a little bit that. more about, about Valiant Thor because he's of great interest to so many people still after all these yes. years. And yes. Stranger at the Pentagon, I, I do recall that I did see that. I, I think that was available on the Internet at one time. Is it still available there? The well, it's, um, people, uh, my website is strangeratthepentagon.com. People can watch it there. Um, and uh, they can learn more about Valiant Thor and Dr. Frank and everything on the website. And I also have a section. uh, I have the remaining books of the brand new Stranger at the Pentagon's and Outwitting Tomorrow that Balfour uh, was advisor on. Uh, A couple other Dr. Frank books, posters and things that people just love. I even have the original book posters. There's There's only like 20 left, but so fans can, you know, go there and look and uh, and get them if they want. Um, but also the short film is now on Amazon Prime. So oh, if you have Great. Amazon Prime, you can watch it for free on Amazon Prime as well. So, Excellent. Um, 
Yeah, and interestingly enough, I, I mean, I just posted that it was on there, and it's doing, uh, it's getting lots of views on Amazon Prime, which is uh, very nice. So people are finding it. So, um, so where would you like to start with, Mister? Well, Thor? let's talk a little bit more about Valiant Thor because I'm wondering if some of the information that we've received through people that we've been interviewed on the show about him. It's true. And one of the things that they talk about that I recall is the fact that he still has a ship that's near Earth that actually he's still here. Is that true? Yes, this is true. So he was here from March 16th, 1957 through March 16th, 1960, where um, he lived in a Pentagon apartment below the Pentagon. Um, and he departed for a year and came back on March 16th, 1961. And Dr. Frank met him in December of 1959, just a few months before he was departing. Um, and so I, I believe that he called Dr. Frank there, and I'll give you a little bit of how that happened, is because the mission he came here to do, which was, it was a proposal to eliminate sickness, disease, prolong life, talk to them about the dangers of atomics and everything that that they had been doing since 47, um, uh, on top of free energy and how we're polluting the planet and so on and so on. Um, and mind you, there were other contactees as well. There was there was George Adamski with a Venusian. There was uh, George Van Tassel with a Venusian, and they were all coming, saying the same thing, and they were all talking about prolonging life. In fact, George Van Tassel was given the blueprints to build the Integratron, which, when you walk through it would rejuvenate your cells and keep you looking young like they were, right? Well, my goodness, so, we could use some of that, Craig. So we sure where could. We I, go to the, <laughs> I go to the Integratron all the time. I love it there. I mean, it's not, it's not working, but the energy and the vibration there is really fantastic. So if you've never been, it's definitely a trip you have to do. I'm very good friends with the sisters that own it, so if you go, let me know, and I'll I'll uh, I'll call them and and uh, you know tell them that you want to come. So that's um, exciting. So, but it you know, when you bring up this, so, let me ask you this, Craig, because you know it's so frustrating for those of us who are stuck in a even an alternative medicine system. I'm even not going to talk about traditional, which is so difficult and not right. working, but you know, it, we know this technology has been available and is here on the planet, but we don't have access yeah. to it. What right. are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Well, our, my thoughts on that are is if it was here, everyone would be cured and they wouldn't make any more money. I mean, that's that's the bottom line. Um, so it's that's the, the money. exact reason. Yeah, that's the exact reason they turned uh, Valiant Thor's proposal down because they said it would put doctors, nurses, pharmaceutical companies, the electric company, 
everyone would be out of business and it would totally crash the economy. But what they didn't realize, they did realize really what he was proposing, but the greed factor was there. And you have to remember towards the end of his stay is when the military industrial complex started climbing up, Mm -hmm. even with, with Eisenhower's warning in his last speech. Because they were ta- they were seizing power to do what they wanted to do in another shadow government, right? Right. So, um, along with uh, uh, corporates and all that kind of thing. So, um, so that's the basic story. But here's the good news: there's lots of people now incarnating on the planet, very very advanced star seeds. I've met lots of them. And they're coming in with alternative ways of healing for people through inventions that they're coming up with, um, through meditations, through things. Because really, if you can get your vibration high and really spiritually work on yourself and, and really use your heart instead of your mind, then what will then you can actually go in and start attacking disease. You can, you can take an overlay um, how they explain it to me. One way of doing it is you go back to maybe when you were 17 and the, and your body on the internal was perfect and you take a slice of that and you put it, imagine putting it in your body now and, having it sort of resonate with that, right? Um, I will tell you, alternative medicine saved me. Um, I won't go into a long, drawn-out story, but I was diagnosed with fourth-stage melanoma 11 years ago, and I was in the hospital for... Um, every month for 13 months with aisle one, aisle two, and interferon shots. And I got to tell you, nobody should ever have an interferon shot. They're the most, oh, so painful, so painful. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, so I would be there for six days. But what I did was, is before I went in, I found a Chinese herbalist. And I was just putting out to the universe, help me find the right person. I I called this one guy um, that I got from a friend, and he said, no, you have to go to my teacher. He specializes in melanoma. So I went to this man named Dr. Matt Van Ben Choten, and he he said, I need to know the um, chemo drugs they're going to give you. I said, okay, so I got them. And he said, what I've done is I'm, I've concocted a, uh, an herbal system for you, which was a bunch of different herbs. And after he goes through your chi as well to know what's going on in your body. Right. And, and he said, and this is going to weaken the cancer cells and allow the chemo to knock it out of your system. And so... After the first month, after the first few months, I did a PET scan. Half of it was gone. Oh my goodness! 
Isn't right? that great? And it's great. It's amazing. And then when um uh and the doctor, the oncologist kept saying, "What are you doing?" And I said, <laughs> "I went to a Chinese herbalist. I'm taking herbs." And uh, and he said, "Well, whatever you're doing, keep doing it." And um so um long story short, um I was cancer free 13 months later and it's now 11 years and um and I do attribute it to that uh to also um heavy meditation and heat try healing myself. I bought every I Love Lucy episode and watched it to laugh <laughs> during oh. my cancer. <laughs> That's a great and, idea. And That's for sure. I only watch comedies and I stayed in a joyful space and I never got angry at my cancer. I just said, You're here for a reason and I will make it through and I just embraced the experience. And um and ten months into the chemo um, I was in a restaurant with uh, a couple, a good friend of mine and their 10-year-old daughter. And a friend of mine had just bought me a new iPhone saying, I can't stand that we can't talk to you in the hospital. And I, I just had a flip phone then. So now we can FaceTime and stuff. So, um, so I said, great. So I gave it to the 10-year-old and said, hey, show me how to use this. Because <laughs> <Right? laughs> yeah, I don't like reading directions. So, so she took a picture. She took a picture of me and her dad, and because uh, we were sitting next to each other, and she took a few. And I don't know. I downloaded them in my phone a couple of months later, and above my head was a perfect 3D image of my mother oh, on my the goodness. other side. Oh. When she was 24, and I actually have a picture of her when she looked exactly like this. And so she came to say, I am with you. And it was just her head above my head. Right? So so these are great signposts uh, because I know everyone who's lost a loved one. uh, A lot of people don't talk about it, but I talk to my mom and dad every day. I I miss them. I so and they communicate with you the minute you think of them they're right there. So then, um, well, except for one time. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, one time. No, one time my mom said I have to go do some learning in the universe for about 3 months. So I won't see you for 3 months. And I said, "Okay." And she was gone for 3 months and came back. Amazing. I have to say you obviously have yeah. these connections that go beyond just uh, the other side of the veil and you can you find people who are hybrids and and you obviously have your own experiences with these extraterrestrials but let me get back to that because again your sure. book is fascinating now you mentioned the clarions and the two photographs that you have in the book and I want to bring this to people's attention because those photographs are quite haunting they really are yeah yes and right it, it, it does leave me with that otherworldly experience there is something also i don't want to say vacant but there is a definite difference in their faces and how they hold their energy 
It's worth getting the book mm-hmm. just to see these photos because they're incredible. Uh, yes. They're yes. So, yes, anyways, and I. Go ahead. No, I, I, I. They're just one of my uh, favorites. Uh, one of my favorite races, and um, and there's many more photos that he's taken too, but those were the two that I uh, that I chose uh, to put in. Um, so I'm just trying to see. I'm just trying to find. Oh, here we are. This is this is what really drew me into the Clarions is that they believe in creating light in honor of the one with no name, the invisible architect of creation. They believe that time and space are their temples, planets and stars, their cathedrals, and the universe is their sanctuary. They are aware that they and all sentient beings own the consciousness of the primordial atom and of eternity, and know that death is only transformational. The soul is eternal. They also believe that the invisible architect of creation fulfills destiny and the celestial creators weave fate. Now, isn't that beautiful? Mm-hmm. That's amazing. It sounds, yeah, and it sounds very it harmonious. It's, it's quite interesting. And what I was really struck with, too, in those photos is that the female, the woman's face, looks very, very different from the male's. Yes, than the male's, yes. Yes, primarily. And I wouldn't even think they're from the same race, but they are. But they are, yes. Some some in the race, mo, uh, most of the photographs I saw in the race, their faces were round, like the females, but yes. there were a few females who had regular structured faces like we do as well. But, I mean, her eyes... Um, just the shape of her eyes and the way they're slanted and their beautiful petite features. And I mean, I just think they're gorgeous. Just gorgeous. Yeah. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Now, like the Pleiadians. Well, the Pleiadians are very <laughs> pretty. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Very pretty people. I mean, aliens, non humans, whatever you want to call them. Yeah, and yeah. they also have project a lot of light and claim a lot of people claim to have contact with them. Whether they do or not, yeah. I don't know, but a lot of people say they do. So those are the nice, nice ones. So I guess they make themselves known when they when they want to, right? Yes, they do. They do, and. Um, my experience in a nutshell was when I was 26, I didn't even know what duality was. I didn't know what anything was. I was actually starting my casting career on Steven Spielberg's amazing stories. I was there for a year and a half. Um, and during this time I began to have dreams with three very advanced beings. Two of them were Maramayam. They're also in the book. And another was a blonde human female. And when I looked at them, all I felt was this unbelievable love and affection. And I would just wake up and, and be in this bubble of, of just wonderful feeling and I'd forget about it and then it would happen the next night and so 
this went on for about two months. And then after two months, I would wake up inside the dream and realize it was real. And this went on for two months. And then after that, in, in the fifth and sixth month, I would go, I'd be with them, I'd wake up in the dream and, or, or in the place that they were. And then I would open my eyes in my bedroom and their astral bodies would be at the foot of my bed. And then the very next experience was I was back in their realm and they were feeding me a golden light that ballooned into my body. And I remembered waking up feeling the most unbelievable, unconditional love I had ever felt in my life. And really what they did is they, they, uh, they turned on my cells, my soul. And I started seeing the beauty behind everything created, everything in people and animals and plants and everything. And I went through an eight-month process of sobbing uncontrollably because I couldn't believe how beautiful everything was. And this was a clearing. It was a full-on awakening. And then... Then they um, ignited my light body so I could astral travel off planet, and I started visiting other worlds. And um, and then I uh, went, uh, and this is over a two-year period, and, and there were many other um, experiences in there, but... Um, the last two that are that were really really uh, um, poignant for me was one day I was meditating in the middle of the day in my apartment. I had all the windows open. It was like noon, and um, uh, one of the master teachers, um, I, I get a click in the back of my neck, and then they appear on the eye, on your under your eyelids, like you have your eyes open. And he said, I'm going to give you a metaphor. I want you to write it down, open your eyes and write it down. And I said, okay. And he said, the truth of the triangle is the power of the pyramid. And I literally was so in nirvana, I didn't open my eyes and write it down. And then five minutes later, I couldn't remember it, so I called him back. (laughs) And he told me again. And then when I opened my eyes before me from floor to ceiling, like as wide as your arms can go out, was ovals of prismatic gold in gold light going, it was his soul energy. And it was the most amazing thing to see this in light. And at that time I had three portals that they had built. And um, so I knew I could see energy coming through and I knew when they, when they were there. And so he went, danced around the living room, went up the portal and, um, and then uh, I, during this whole time I wrote a 400 page book and I decided to go to Mount Shasta to 
um, treat myself for finishing it. And um, upon my return, he said to me, what would you say if I told you you wrote that book for yourself? And I said, then I've learned a lot about myself. He said, now it's time to write the real book. I want you to sit down and I want you to write until you can't write anymore. Do not edit. Do not stop. And this is going to be our process. So they started waking me up every night at 3 a.m. And um, they would come through the portals and they would all their energies would be around me. And in the beginning, because I was so dense, I, um, my body would ring with chills for like 15 minutes. Uh, but I did. I just kept writing. And this is where the autobiography of an extraterrestrial saga book series came from. Okay. So this was part of my coming here to share with the rest of the people on the planet what it's like up Well, you've been right? treated very kindly by your yes. companions from the stars. Yes, now, very kindly. But there are some people who haven't had such great experiences. And That's right. Can, can we talk about that a little bit? Because certainly we've heard a lot of stories about the greys. And right. how they experiment on people. They either do genetic experiments or they do other types of experiments. So mm-hmm. what's the deal there? Well, the um, there are there are many people it's it's interesting because there are uh for instance people on the planet like women on the planet who are incubators for uh reptilian draconian males, right? Mm-hmm. So um, usually what happens in these instances is the the woman will be dreaming that she's having sex with a very beautiful man. And then at the part of climax sees its real face and it, and it can be terrifying. Um and then these babies are taken anywhere from two to three months, and then they are brought up up there. So this is part of a, some their hybrid program, which I don't know. Um, I have talked with one one girl who this is happening to, and she really believes that this is what she came here to do, and um, et cetera. Um, others believe that they're doing some kind of telepathic hypnosis on her and she's just an incubator, right? Um, She's believing the jargon. Um, It sounds like a violation. It does sound like a violation. And if you continue to allow it to happen, it'll continue to happen. If you stop it and you, you put a stop to it, it will stop. So, I always say whatever anybody's religious beliefs are, you want to call Jesus, Buddha, Archangel Michael, whatever, it all works. And and it goes away and it stops. Now, there are other cases where these uh, bad ETs are coming and um, harassing young starseeds as well as adult starseeds. 
because they're 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 entering their dream states to terrify them to knock them off their missions and a lot of uh so missions are regular star seeds missions are to come here and to raise their consciousness as high as as they can and continue to work on themselves spiritually of course that raises everything up mighty messenger star seeds um, have already gone through an extensive program of incarnation missions. For instance, on Earth, they will come in and they will become every single race, every religion, male, female, everything. Once that is done, then they can come in with a greater mission that helps with, um, with raising global consciousness because they're more in the public eye. Right. So, um, sometimes what are they telling you, Craig, about coming disclosure? Have you heard anything about that? We've certainly seen dribs and drabs of it, but what are they telling you? We have, we have. I, I think. Um, I, I mean, nobody really knows how it's going to happen. We know that Steve Bassett uh, has been uh, relentlessly. Um, uh, doing everything he can for the disclosure. I do not believe that the government is going to come out and say it. I don't. Yeah, why um, would they? Uh, they? They're just not. I mean, they, they were covering up um, from Roswell. They covered up Valiant Thor um, and everything else since then because what they don't want is they don't want um, – to get out what they have in their secret arsenal to um, have dominion over the rest of the world. So, um, so there now I, and this is just me. I believe that there is a bad fraction and that there is also a good fraction and the good fraction is doing everything they can to help promote it. And certain things are getting leaked out. Um, And, uh, I mean, for them to release in the New York Times a respectable paper, the Tic Tac, I mean, all of us in the UFO business have seen those uh, a lot. But for it to go Yeah, no, they've they've come out with that. And they've also renamed UFOs, UAPs, to a little PR campaign that they've executed. Yes, exactly. I was curious what the ETs think about it and – Certainly you have contact with several races there. And it just seems like, yes, this has been undercover for so long. And, of course, greed and money is all behind it. But at some point it would make sense for this to be declassified so that we can understand what's going on and what we really have available to us for healing, for energy, all of these things. I mean, we get accused of destroying the planet when, in fact, this has never been offered to us as an alternative. So it's right. a little unfair, you know, it's like pointing fingers at, uh, well, you're destroying the planet. Well, hey, how about you guys start helping us to de- declassify this? And I'm talking about the ETs now. You know the information. Why not bring it to a, a state of awareness for the rest of us? So this is a, you know, it's, it's a kind of a bit of a conundrum for the people on the planet. It is, it is. But they, you know, they are 
uh, all the human ETs are here. They're working in all kinds of jobs, government jobs, all types of things. They do have their pulse on things. They're, um, and, and their timeline for things are when it's perfect for the human race. But this planet is going into becoming a fully conscious planet. This is the last mm, fight. This is the final battle between everything, and then it will start its shift. It's already gone. It has already tipped quite some time ago to going towards light, but now there, um, everything will be that will go. And um, uh, one of the races, by the way, one of the hybrid races um, are called the seventh ray race. So um, star seeds who are here, part of their mission is to give the Galactarian alignment uh, genetic materials. And what they do is then they marry the genetic materials with human um, ET uh, materials, and then they, they're creating a race. So they're half, half Earth, half from the stars. They could be from Sirius, Octurus, uh, all over the place. Um, and then they raise these children, and they, they raise them and teach them how to connect their, uh, their five chakras so that they will go fully conscious to their seven lower chakras. Mm-hmm. And when they're fully conscious, they go through training. And then once the world shifts over, they will be the teachers in communities that will teach everyone about the stars and then we will be able to go on board great ships as well and learn about the other worlds and the stars and go back and forth. Now, like on Valiant Thor's uh, ships and uh, a lot of the Galactarian vessels, like on Thor's, um, his craft is 300 feet in diameter and it's double-deckered. It holds 200 people in his crew. So he has a main crew. But then the secondary crew shifts out every three months, and then they go to a different craft, and they learn a different job. So they're always learning how to do everything to, um, to make themselves smarter because they become adults when they're 70, basically, because they live for – they could live for 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 years. Um, just dependent on on the race because right. some so some plan yeah it makes sense it makes sense that they would have yeah. longer lives and then they would be able to explore the universe with a whole different mindset than somebody who has a very limited time on one planet. But tell us also right. about this because I know, did notice that in your book you have some pages on Men in Black and it's yeah. been a big mystery and what in the hell are these things? They're not nice. Man, I, you know, I, I went through so much information and tried to chock full it in there. Um, uh, they, they first appeared with Alfred K. Bender, who I put a picture of. Interestingly enough, 
uh, Mr. Bender had a small UFO group, and he knew how to connect with the ETs through meditation. And he would start his meditation off with the rest of, uh, with his group throughout the world, calling occupants of interplanetary craft, right? Mm -hmm. Um, We want to make a contact with you. And when they started making contact is when um, these men in black, black hats and black suits showed up at his door and told him to dissolve his group and threatened him, um, et cetera. So the man at the time who, uh, back in those days, the sort of George Nury was a guy named Long John Nebel with WOR Radio in New York. Mm-hmm. And the guy who wrote these kind of books for Saucerian Press was Gray Barker. So Gray Barker, um, he told uh, him ab- uh, about this experience, which terrified him. And... Um, and then he had another experience where he was up in his attic. The picture that I have of him is up in his attic in the book. And he was laying on the couch, and the men in black actually came out of the ethers. And he said it smelled like rotten sulfur. And they threatened him again. So he disbanded everything. Now, what's interesting is so Gray Barker wrote, a book about it and that's where the term men in black originally came from so a little bit later there's a group called Klaatu K-L-A-U or K-L-A-T-U-U named for Klaatu in the day the earth stood still who wrote a song called Calling Occupants of Interplanetary Craft, and they basically took Alfred K. Bender's message that he would say and put it into a song, and then the Carpenters recorded it and did a video. And it is the most beautiful song. You will, if you've never heard it, both, both renditions are on YouTube. Make yeah, sure that you do. Listen. So... And then, and then we we go in, and and we don't know if they're government, um, we don't know if they're extraterrestrial, we don't know if they're both. I mean, there there could be, uh, uh, you know, well, copycat. Like right, and because you, you did say in in your chapter on that that they can't think for themselves, so they're doing somebody's writing, and that's interesting. They're doing somebody, yes. That's right. Yes. So when 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 they uh, when those kind of beings are like that, they're basically controlled and that type of thing. So they're basically there and they just do and say what they're meant to say. So they just they do look like they're void of a soul. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. But I do believe throughout time that maybe if they were these strange, clony people that were either created by a bad, uh, f- a bad fraction of the government 
or uh, maybe they wanted to create something to scare people who were actually talking about and seeing UFOs, um, you know, put them into submission. And, um, and then maybe later there were copycat humans who did it to scare people as well. Now, I just met a man in England who said he had a visit two months ago that scared the crap out of him from men in black. Hmm. And that's all he told me. He said, I'm going to call you later and I'm going to tell you the story. So I thought. Was he a UFO contactee? Is that why they came to visit him? Yes. Yes. Okay. He, he actually has a huge radio show. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah. Well, in England. Now, do you think so, that the men in black are also related to the black eyed kids? Wow, I never even thought of that. I mean, anything's possible. Anything's uh-huh. possible. I mean, honestly. I mean, there's so much out there. I will tell you, I've met with some of some really brilliant minds in high-powered jobs, and they have said to me, you get it because you're awake, and the rest of the world is sleeping. And they said... If you can think, if you think of the weirdest scenario ever, it exists. I believe it. <laughs> Which, yeah, I believe it too. I believe it too because I, I mean, people are talking about all different types of things. And I've been getting so many emails since the book came out of people talking about all these beings I've never even saw heard of or what they look like or uh, anything like that. So, yeah, so people I mean, are definitely having experiences, and there's a lot more room yes. for them to talk about it. However, there are also yes. these, these threats that pop up every now and again. Now, I know you mentioned uh, being multidimensional beings, and there's been a lot of discussion about are these ETs truly from other planets or are they from other dimensions or both? Well, I they do live interdimensionally, but if they have a home planet or if their craft, uh, a lot of them live on motherships. Um, a lot of the motherships are shaped like a planet. Um, it is said that our entire solar system is populated, that everyone lives on the interior of the planet. So, so this is how it's done. So they they have superior technology and and this is how they do their bases here on earth as well so they can take like an energy form in as thin as a sheet of paper and make it as long and as wide and as far as they want underground and then they they can shape it anything that they want and then this energy holds it in place they create um, on motherships and on planets that, that they live on the interiors. It's terraced into floors, and they create what is called a synchrotron sky. So the sky gives light, and it will go into nighttime. Some floors are daytime. Some floors are just nighttime, depending on your mood. Um, but what's most interesting is they've learned the resonation field that keeps them looking young as well, but also um, 
keeps everything vibrant and and radiating and um, for instance, a lot of them who are working uh, with helping uh, earth um, uh, grow into itself and and rejoining universal society is um, on a daily basis, they see more horrific images than the news could ever produce. Mm. So these resonations also help them to keep their vibration and their emotional body in a neutral state, but it doesn't mean that they still don't feel and they still don't shed tears as well. But because imagine if you were doing that, you were seeing just horrific images and you had no way to control it. I mean, it would really um, just be a horrific thing for your emotional body. I mean, you really couldn't go on. So they have all these different um, uh, technologies. And look, when they're done with a base here, they, they, everything is just shot out of it, beamed out of it, and then they then they let that energy go back down and, and everything is back to the way it was. So, yeah, I had, um, I did a EVP session and I had a, with, with uh, one of the top EVP people, she's one of the only three people who is, I think, certified in America. Mm-hmm. And this was years ago. And, um, I got a class A EVP of a woman speaking in another language. Mm. And it was not a language of the earth. It was in an ET language. So I, I had given it to many scholars and they said, nope, 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 not from here, not from here. So I came in contact with some starseed kids. One, one kid, when he was 14, spoke five star languages and was drawing star maps. So I gave it to him Mm -hmm. and I said, what is this? And he said, Oh, that's Pleiadian dialect. And, um, and what she's saying is um, we, uh, we opened up hertically. And I said, well, what does that mean? And he said, they opened up a base near you. She was telling you that they opened up a base. So I was like, oh, because they must have opened one up underground. And then um, there's another woman that I know. She has a property uh, there in Arizona. I'm going to have to hook you up. <laughs> hey, PK. Um, you're going to love her. Ready. <laughs> she is an amazing woman. And... Um, on her property, she has over 18, 18 to 20 positive extraterrestrial portals. And, oh yes, and you, when you take pictures, you get orb storms there, like, like millions of oh. orbs on top of orbs. It's the most mind-blowing thing ever. And um, she's been in uh, contact with many races as well. But one night when I was there with her and an, uh, another good friend of ours, um, I felt Valiant Thor's ship come from where it's stationed at Lake Mead and came up and over her property. 
And I said, oh, let's go outside. I just felt uh, the craft come over. And so uh, me and my friend Tom, um, I said, okay, let's get our cameras ready, and I'm going to ask them to shoot beams down. And so we would start taking pictures, and they did. They, sh- they were shooting these blue beams down so we could catch them on, um, on film. And, um, but the, the main purpose is, is, um, at that time she was feeling very down, uh, and she wanted to go home, home. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was very worried because, you know, I love her so much and I didn't want to, I didn't want to lose her. Um, but, um, she actually had a visit from Valiant Thor that night who, removed I didn't know she was in horrific physical pain I didn't know that and he removed all she said 90% of it and now she's back to normal and happy as a clam what a blessing oh, yeah yeah well PK yeah. you've got to find out all about this so you can go make a trip there I will Ooh. I will introduce you PK because you're very close oh, I would love it I'd love to get yeah, you will love her. You would love her. Take a lot of pictures so. of those orbs too. You can post them on her Facebook page. Oh, That's a good idea. God. You would love it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do that in the backyard. Uh, in her backyard, you just get it's it's amazing. Um, so I'm so excited. I know, I know, but I now, mean, but there's, there's here's just, another thing, though, Craig. Oh. I mean. How do we know, and there's a lot of people who would love to be in touch with extraterrestrials and have some type of mental telepathy or face-to-face adventure, but how do we right. know if they're to be trusted? How do we know if they have our best interests at heart or if we're just being manipulated? Because there are some out there, as you mentioned, who are of a negative yes. mindset that don't like humans, but they're here anyways for whatever reason, Right. whether it's to take minerals or they need something from our planet or they need something from us. How do you know? Here's what I here's what I tell people. If you really want to contact um, the fully conscious being, the beautiful beings, then that's what you put out into the universe. Um, for instance, on Valiant Thor's craft, uh, he has four vice commanders: Don, Thon, Zan, and Teal. Teal is one of the most brightest uh, minds in the universe, and she is a universal teacher. She loves studying duality. She loves everything on Earth, and um, she, she brings people on board in their astral bodies to teach them about the universe. Um, I've gone to a lot of those classes way in the early, and I would say every night if I am brought to the classes, I really want to remember. I really want to remember. So I started remembering, and I started remembering seeing parts of the inside of the craft and all of that. And, um, And anyone can do that by just simply sitting down and meditating and then... Um, just thrusting your mind, your energy to Lake Mead and imagine a large uh, craft 
there and just ask Teal if you can join the night classes. So we know that they are very advanced, advanced beings, and they would do no harm to anyone, um, as well as as the others. Now, now, I here here's the thing: is I figure that a lot of the darker beings, because they want to keep control of the planet, and they want to uh, everything on it is a resource, including us, and so. Uh, when the because of the giant starseed program and all of these consciousness raising programs coming out of Melchizedek, which is in the mirror system, coming here to help raise the consciousness here, they're going to do everything in their power to thwart all of the starseeds. So they bombard their thoughts um, with dread. They um, they bombard them uh, with scary dreams or somebody might have a visitation or something like that. So, uh, so what you have to do is you have to own your own power and you have to say you cannot come back here, you cannot do that. Um, call in your, uh, you know, your, your angels. Your, you have, everyone has a guardian angel and a ministering angel. So... Um, hang on one second. Oh, sure. hold on. Just my sister. Hold on. Let me tell her I'll call her back. Okay. okay. You're busy. Hey, I'm on a radio <laughs> show. Can I call you back? <laughs> Bye. She's like, oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> I just, I, it never fails. Always, somebody always calls during a radio show. So, um, and I can't turn that damn thing off. Oh, so, God, um funny. Well, so it but is important anyway, for people to take their power, and if they are having an experience that, with a, an entity that they're not sure of or they feel has a negative uh, impulse towards them, they need to take power and say leave and get out or absolutely. whatever. But a lot, again, we're dealing with with extraterrestrials that have tremendous ability. I mean, they have, they're so advanced. They do. We're, we're just like little they ants do. to them. So can't they just mind yep. control us? Can't they just make us forget? We don't even know what we're doing with these things. So. We, you're absolutely right. What they have over us is what I call in the book is telepathic hypnosis, right? Yeah. So they those grays with those big, giant eyes. By the way, underneath those eyes, they're big, giant um, pupils with an iris as well because Mm -hmm. they usually sew in the lenses because they're light sensitive. Um, Some of them have two nictating lenses, one for swiping and one for like a lens. Um, But uh, that's why when they look into your eyes and they they can do that, reptilians can do that. Um, uh, A lot of the darker races have that ability, but, they can no longer. They cannot own you or do anything if you own your power. I would say, get a, if it makes you feel better, get a talisman, get a picture of Archangel Michael, Christ, Buddha, anything that you feel um, akin to, and and put that uh, next to your bed and um, and 
and that kind of thing and, and start meditating and doing that. A lot of people say to me, I don't know how to meditate. I'm like, put on some music, close your eyes and don't think of a thing. And then just think about a little light and just focus on that light. You know, I, I usually say to, for them to go to Stephen Halpern's, um, Website. You can download the uh, Severin Chakra Clearing. It's this beautiful music uh, yeah. with tones that cleans the chakras. And it's seven minutes. And for beginners, it'll clear them out. And they don't have to think about anything but just focusing on a piece of light and then just putting out into the universe what they would like to have happen in their life or if something is coming towards them, uh, like a bad um, uh, abductions or anything of that kind of nature, that they can stop that as well. So, I mean, everybody everybody has a different thing. Some people still have oh, their certainly. tracking devices in them. Uh, they don't want to get rid of them. I mean, I was friends with Dr. Roger Lear. He took them out. He saw that they were these little, you know, uh, they were little homing devices and uh, they wrapped organic material around it so our bodies wouldn't reject it. Um, There are also astral implants. There are anything you can think of. So that's why it's really good to do a meditation every day to clean all your bodies out. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, just five, five to seven minutes. That's it. You know, yeah. I force myself sometimes. I'm like, oh my god, I'm so busy. I, I'm like, it's five minutes. You can do it. <laughs> so I go and I do it, and then I'm like, oh my god, I'm so glad I just did that. Yeah, exactly. Now we only have a few minutes yeah. left, unfortunately, Craig. This has been delightful. And again, I want to tell everybody the name of your yeah. book is The Extraterrestrial Species Almanac: The Ultimate Guide to Grays, Reptilians, Hybrids, and Nordics. Now, Nordics. do you have a favorite race? that you feel very close to? Yes, I'm very, I, I, the Pleiadians, for sure, because the lead character in my book, uh, Tehran, he is Pleiadian. And uh, the book is all, uh, the, so the whole book series is about him and his life. But what's interesting about him is, he was every one in 200,000 beings born in a fully conscious world will be born dualistic. He was born dualistic. This is so that the rest of everyone can understand what duality actually is. And then this being has to learn how to overcome it in that society. And so he is dualistic and he is put in charge of all of the, uh, um, uh, star seeds coming in and out of Earth and training them and, and training the mighty messengers. So his story is a phenomenal one, and uh, so I really, really love the Pleiadians. And and I have a picture of him, his wife, and one of their uh, little boys uh, named Tawan in there. His wife's name yeah, is Kyalina. So where it says Pleiadian family, that's Tehran, his wife Kyalina, and their little boy to one. So, um, so yeah, that's that's my favorite. And um, and um, if people want to get autographed copies, can I tell them where to go? 
Please do, and I also posted that link on our Facebook page so people can go to the Supernatural Girls Facebook page and get, just click right on it, and they can go right to where they can get oh, the autographed Oh, yes, copy. it goes right to it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, or it's an autobiography of an A-N-E-T dot com, and then you click on other books for the E.T. Almanac, or on the homepage is where all the the Tehran book series There's four books now, and there'll be seven in total in the end. That is so great. And people can get a hold of yeah. you also in case they have their own story to tell, because I know they're yes, always and, happy and to share that with someone website. like you. Yes, they can do that right through the website. So strangeratthepentagon.com, yes, exactly. And do you exactly. have a mailing list that we can sign up on so we'll be notified when your feature film is out? Yes, oh, you can do that. You can do that uh, on Stranger at the Pentagon. Uh, you can hit the subscribe button there. And if you want to learn more about the Tehran future books and things, you can subscribe on the Tehran uh, website, which is autobiography of on anet.com as well. Excellent. Well, Craig, thank you so much. This has been delightful. And we've got to stay in touch. So when your movie's coming out, we've got to have you back and any other books that you're writing for, for sure. Yeah. Wonderful. I really enjoyed this. I just uh, love talking to both of you. And we're definitely both going to have to have a conversation and, um, about some of the other stuff that we talked about. So Absolutely. We will do air. that. We will be sure to do that. Okay, everybody. Yes. We'll be back next week with another great show. And be sure to visit our Facebook page to pick up a book, an autograph book, uh, from Craig. And also, if you want to listen to William Stickevers tonight with Jerry and Kathy Wills, the link is there as well. It's starting in just a few seconds. So until we see you next week, see you on the Blue Highway. Good night, everyone. Good night. Bye. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another radio adventure with Supernatural.